What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 11 of Preloaded, the podcast dedicated to previewing and talking about all of the biggest and most exciting upcoming video games. My name is Josh Finderup, and I am joined, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Jackson Vanover. What's up, Jackson? Hey, Josh. I'm so excited. We're only three weeks out from next gen. I can't believe it. Yeah, it is hard to believe we are getting very close. And this week, we have a ton of stuff to talk about. We are going to talk about our hands-on impression of Immortals Phoenix Rising. We both got to play that. Plus, uh, on the Ubisoft front, we also got some exciting DLC news for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So you'll want to stay tuned for all of that and more. But first, we post the video version of the podcast on Jackson's YouTube channel and now as well as on my YouTube channel. And something is changing this week. We've been posting the podcast on, on Monday but we are now going to post it on Friday. And basically, we just changed when we're going to record the podcast so we can post it sooner. And that'll allow us to get the news sooner to you, our audience. So without going into the details, it should make it so the news feels a little more fresh. So look for the podcast on our YouTube channels again on, well, this episode should be airing on Monday. And then the following episode will be the first one that posts on a Friday. That applies to the audio version as well. And speaking of, you can get the audio version of the podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you are listening on any of those platforms, we'd love for you to post a review. That'll help us grow our audience as we try to turn this podcast into a thing. You can post a five-star review or even a written review if you're feeling like telling people why you like listening to the podcast. You can also write into Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And we welcome all of your questions. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about on the following week's show, at the end of each show, we dig into our mailbag and we answer one of your questions. So write in, let us know what you want to talk about, and we'll look forward to reading your messages. And speaking of questions, this week we are going to kick things off with our segment, Who the Hell Are These Guys?, this is where Jackson and I answer a question about our gaming preferences, our gaming history, to help you guys and gals get to learn a little something about us. And this week, the question is, this is something that I have been very curious about other gamers' preferences about this. Jackson, do you ever use strategy guides? And if so, why? And if not, why not? So not to delve too deep into the past, but uh Growing up, I always liked the physical, having the physical copy of the game, number one, but a physical guide. I really did like those paper guides. I, I love kind of the craftsmanship and the work behind it and the fact that it told me everything that I needed to know about a game. And it kind of uh, inspired me actually to make like the YouTube content that I made for a very long time, like builds and guides and tips and stuff like that. Um, but to answer your question... These days, I like to experience it for myself. Um, sometimes I'll watch some YouTube videos to kind of be like a side, you know, guide thing um, to help me find certain things or be the best that I could be. But uh, I, I wouldn't say that I really use them in that way anymore. And I especially don't use the physical versions. I don't think those really exist anymore. I feel like uh, our job, Josh, not specifically, but, you know, the, the Internet kind of killed the strategy guide. Uh, so it, it exists on the Internet, but not in paper form. But anyways, that's my answer. How about you? I try to not use guides if I can help it. People who've listened to this podcast have probably figured out I'm a big single player uh, junkie. And if I'm playing one of those story driven single player narrative experiences, I do like to get through the entire game on my own if I can. If I do use a strategy guide, it's typically for games that re require certain like uh, uh, skills or tactics, like uh, Bloodborne and Sekiro, two of my favorite games of the generation. I flat out would not have gotten through those without guides, but it wasn't to like find out where to go next. It was I would run into a boss that was just frustrating me to no end, and I decided to look up, okay, how do you defeat this boss? Or I used to be into fighting games, so like Soul Calibur was one of my favorite games many years ago. And I would look at strategy guides to figure out, okay, how does this player, you know, what are the strategies that you should use if you're going to play this character or against this character? But typically, if I'm playing like 
an Uncharted or The Last of Us or one of those types of games, I will get through a game on my own if I can do it. Yeah, I feel like some games lend themselves more to that extra media, you know, that you, you kind of have it, you consume it on the side and it adds to the experience. And like you said, the Soulsborne games are classic examples of that. I'm the same way. If I am get to the point where in my head I hit that wall of frustration, <laughs> yeah, you know, I have to look that up in order to, you know, keep enjoying it, then I absolutely uh, resort to a guide. All right, so let's move on to our Out This Week section. Uh, this is the part of the podcast every week. We look at the releases that come out starting the Monday that we post the podcast. Of course, again, that will change. Uh, we're going to start posting on Friday, so it'll be the following week. Anyhow, from Monday through Friday, we look at all the releases of note. This week, we've got some really interesting stuff, uh, starting with Ghost Runner. Uh, if you haven't checked out this game, definitely take a look. It looks really slick, really cool. It comes out for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC on Tuesday, October 27th. Then on Thursday, October 29th, we've got the big release. Kind of one of the, I feel like this is one of the first big fall releases, Watch Dogs Legion. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. Pikmin 3 Deluxe comes out for Switch owners who feel like maybe they have had a bit of a drought of content. At least that's the way I have felt as a Switch owner. Uh, that comes out Friday, October 30th. And then lastly, the Dark Pictures Anthology Little Hope comes out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Again, that's Friday, uh, the 30th of October. So if you need a last-minute Halloween jolt, you can play that. Uh, any of these piquing your interest, Jackson? Yes, Josh. Uh, Watch Dogs Legion, obviously going to be very excited to to, to play that game. And... Um, definitely going to be making some content for it on my channel. So I'm going to pl plug that there. Um, Ghost Runner piqued my interest. Um, I don't know about you, Josh, but like the, the combination of like parkour and almost like some arcane dishonored sort of like teleportation stuff going on, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it looks interesting. I just cannot see myself spending time on it with all this stuff, though. Yeah, I'm going to see how much it costs. I don't know, because this is the type of game where I can see myself playing for just like a few hours and being like, well, I got my dose of that. It, but it looks awesome. It looks like this might be totally inaccurate because I don't think it's an endless runner. But the thought that went through my head is this looks like the coolest endless runner I've ever seen. Yeah, it really does. Uh, it gives me Mirror's Edge vibe yeah. as, vibes as well. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So. Uh, those are the games we can look forward to, but let's take a look back at our review roundup. This is where we look at the games that uh, came out the prior week or weeks and that have reviews posting on Open Critic. And this week we got reviews for Amnesia Rebirth. This is another horror game, and it is sitting at an 80% average rating and a 86% recommended, meaning 86% of the critics who reviewed it recommend it. So great reviews there. Eternal, uh, Doom Eternal, The Ancient Gods Part 1 is out. The reviews are, I think, rolling in right now, uh, but we don't have any actual scores on it. And I don't know this, if this might be the first time, Jackson, that we've put a uh, DLC on our review roundup. I don't know how Open Critic scores DLC. Do you? I actually looked, and it doesn't seem like they apply numerical scoring, which I kind of get. Um, but there are some listings of outlets that have, and people are giving it like eight. So that's uh, it's yeah. based, yeah, it's good, but you know, yep. So more Doom Eternal if that's your thing. Which again, we mentioned this last week. Doom Eternal's awesome. You should play it. And then last, I put this game on here. Uh, it was on my radar last week. I thought of putting it on our um, out this week section, but it's called Disc Room. It's released by Devolver Digital. They're always on my radar, games that come out published by them. Uh, this looks like a top-down, uh, really frantic platform, not platformer, but like a puzzle-style game. Really hard to explain. You're basically dodging these discs, but it's getting fantastic reviews. I like to just keep these indies that come out that get really good reviews. I like to keep them on your radar. I believe this is for Switch, maybe Steam as well. Uh, it's sitting at an 84% average rating and a 94% uh, recommended rating. So if you and it's only fifteen bucks. So if you're looking for just a really addictive, challenging, uh, kind of like bullet hell style game, definitely check this out. Yeah, I'm glad you added this, Josh. I just looked it up <laughs> as you were talking about it, and it does look yeah interesting. I, I love that you know you're the one out of the two of us that keeps this stuff on your radar because I would just never look for it, and this does look awesome. Yeah, yeah, it looks fun. And with that, we are going to take our first break, and then we're going to get into the week in previews when we come back. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Stay tuned. And we're back. 
Now it's time for our week in preview segment. This is where Jackson and I cover all of the news that came out about upcoming games and the upcoming next-gen consoles, and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We are going to start with uh, Ubisoft's reveal of the Assassin's Creed Valhalla post-launch roadmap. Uh, they outlined, they basically just released a trailer, but it was jam-packed with information. Uh, so I'm going to get right into it. The first thing and kind of the most significant thing, at least for me, and I think for a lot of people were that, or is that this, their roadmap includes two massive, as they put it, expansions. The first one is called The Wrath of the Druids. This takes place in Ireland where you will, quote, unravel the mysteries of an ancient druid cult. And it sounds like you'll be kind of Researching, I don't know if researching is the right word, investigating this cult and then maybe tracking and hunting down members of this cult. Again, it takes place in Ireland and you have this kind of green, lush atmosphere that you're exploring. And then there are what are called ring forts. I don't know, Jackson, if you know what these are, but it looks like something that you will be like infiltrating and, uh, you know, taking down. Like they're basically forts that you can uh, take down all of the enemies that are there. Right. Ring forts, I don't I don't know specifically what those are. It sounds like something very specific to like Ireland could be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, it's exciting to know that we're going to be able to this, uh, explore Dublin. And it's also exciting to know that we're going to see more of the British Isles. Uh, a lot of people are like, why is the map cut off? Why can't we go to Wales? Um, but it's cool. We're going to get to go to Ireland. Yeah, I agree. Ireland is a very cool setting. Uh, this comes out in spring of 2021. The second expansion will come out in early summer of 2021, and this one is called The Siege of Paris, and from what I can tell, it is exactly what it sounds like. You will be infiltrating and conquering Paris from within, and again, this is a location that I'm really fascinated with. It's funny, both of these I'd almost rather explore than England itself, uh, so I'm actually really excited about these two expansions. Me too. I, I knew nothing about the Siege of Paris, which is apparently a historical event. Um, Vikings in Paris? That just doesn't... Like, what? I have no idea about that. So <laughs> I'm excited to learn more about that. It's cool to see Paris make a comeback within AC uh, for the first time since Unity, unless there was some kind of DLC uh, that I missed. I don't know. No, that was uh, my thoughts as well. I, I, you know, I, I didn't get to play Unity, but um, I do know that that... Or at least I believe that's the last time we got to go to France or Paris. So both of these expansions uh, are included with the the gold and the ultimate editions of the game. So if you've pre-ordered those, that's good news for you. Otherwise, it sounds like these will be paid DLC. Additionally, this trailer that Ubisoft released announced that there will also be seasonal content for everyone who purchased the game, I believe. And this will roll out starting at the end of this year, 2020, through the spring, summer, and fall of 2021. And some of the stuff that we'll ex uh, get to experience here is your settlement will now have what's called a Yule Festival. I'm not sure what this is, but I'm sure it's some traditional Viking festival that you'll get to experience in your settlement. Uh, and this is cool. We'll get a new River Raid mode. And actually, Jackson, it was based off a post that you put on your Twitter account that I learned that this is, quote, a highly replayable raid experience. Yes, yeah. So uh, in the trailer, I believe the post-launch content director was talking about how this is going to be a replayable thing where they're releasing updates where your Yams Vikings uh, will be able to like level up. That's that's something we're about to get into. But that feels like it's feeding into this river raid mode where we're going to be able to repeat these activities. A lot of people are wondering, are we going to be able to repeat things like we could in Odyssey? Um, and the answer is yes. And that's what this is for. Yeah, yeah. So as you alluded to, uh, I found in GameSpot's write-up of this uh, content that there will also be, uh, like you said, you'll be able to level up your Yams Vikings. They'll actually earn XP and rank up. Um, and then there will also be, quote, new player skills and abilities, weapons and gear, and cosmetic items for the settlement, the longship, the horse, and the raven. And I believe that uh, somewhere in here, I don't know if this was in the seasonal content, I think it was, you might actually get an entirely new location to um, grow your settlement. Yes, there will be new location or a new location. At least we know one um, for the settlement, which is huge. And then I also wanted to make sure we didn't miss. There's going to be a bonus mission in the in, in the season pass, uh, the Legend of Beowulf, 
Uh, we already knew about that, but we saw a little bit more of what that's going to look like, and it plays more on the mystical sort of uh, mythological elements of the game. Again, something we expected, but that was also showed off a little bit more. Yeah, I'm really excited to see how far into the mystical and mythical uh, realms Valhalla dives, or if it's you know strictly grounded in reality, or if this stuff is actually real. Like we actually saw some of that in Odyssey with some right. of the bosses. So I'm I'm curious to see where that goes in Valhalla. Me too. Um, lastly, they did reveal that there will be a discovery tour for Valhalla. Uh, that was some exciting content we saw in. I know Odyssey and I believe Origins as well. So uh, if you're into learning more about England and ancient England, uh, that should be exciting for you. And then finally, there was, a again, in that GameSpot article, I, I saw that in a press release they received, Ubisoft said there will be more content after everything outlined in the trailer. So uh, overall, Jackson, any any other thoughts to share here about this roadmap? I was I knew it was coming, not specifically, but we all knew because we know what Ubisoft's trends have been with the last few AC games and what we already saw they laid out with Watch Dogs Legion. I mean, you kind of had to assume like they're going to do the same thing for Valhalla. Um, and so it met my expectations, but also exceeded them. Um, I don't think we've had Assassin's Creed uh, DLC that's added abilities. Um, I think that's huge. So uh, in terms of like changing gameplay, adding new gameplay experiences, and then bring us to new locations, um, that is something we expected, and it looks really fun and exciting. I'm, I'm very excited for it. The next story that we are going to cover is uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Now, uh, I didn't get a chance to go into super detail onto this, Jackson, uh, and it looks like you did. Do you want to uh, take this one? Yes, I can take this. So as we said last week, Game Informer's cover story for the month of October is Spider-Man Miles Morales, a big next-gen launch title um, that's coming soon. And so we learned more this week, and I just wanted to update you guys on what we learned. Um, so we got several different articles and small short clips. I kind of condensed these into small little points to share with you guys. Uh, first off, we know Miles is much less experienced than Peter, um, so this actually comes through in the animation of how Insomniac presents, you know, Miles slinging and swinging through the city. His animations are less precise. You can tell that he is less experienced and still learning. He's slightly out of control, which I love when a game goes to painstaking detail like that. That's awesome to me. And, and then we also learned uh, just through a small clip, they showed some combat, but uh, it, it actually inadvertently revealed that dungeons, I'm calling them dungeons, uh, but like activities where you go indoors, there's yeah. not going to be a loading screen between that indoor wow. activity and the open world. Yeah. So w when you compare that to Spider-Man 2018, it's completely different. We had a loading screen for that stuff. Um, mm. Peter would like infiltrate an area and go through a window or a, a trap door and you get a loading screen, not in Miles Morales. So I love to see that next gen sort of... Uh, advantage there do you know if that's on the ps5 only or is that also on ps4 i don't know that i think that game informers gameplay is captured on a ps5 dev kit but don't quote me on that hmm. cool um we got some more combat and they showed off uh stealth as well like the way that camouflage works and the bioelectric abilities we had this really cool short uh boss battle scene where it shows actually Peter Parker Spider-Man and Miles Morales Spider-Man both fighting Rhino at the same time and it, we actually got a little reveal at how Miles comes across his bioelectric powers and apparently it comes from within him and he has to be pushed to the very brink and actually be needed to make a difference in order to bring those out so that was a really cool clip there we don't really want to you know spoil it for you guys um but yeah, we got a lot more background on kind of Miles' story. Again, this is stuff that may not interest everyone. Um, but in general, Insomniac said they're not trying to retell old stories. Miles' story is new. It's fresh. It's told from a different perspective. He moves to a different city. He's kind of a fish out of water. And Peter's his mentor. But Peter leaves town. He goes away. And Miles is forced to, uh, you know, become a hero. So... That's really what the story is revolving around. Um, the final thing I wanted to talk about uh, is combat related once again. They talked about how where Spider-Man 2018 was more focused on single target combat. 
uh, that this one is more about AOE attacks. So you've got new gadgets with th- that work really well with that idea that you're able to deal damage in areas and to multiple enemies rather than just to single targets. And then you've also got a new refined like mod system. In Spider-Man 2018, you only had your suits. They, they kind of defined very specific abilities. Now you've got suit mods. You can change up what's on your visor and your body. You're able to mix and match this stuff to really refine and define your gameplay. Um, so yeah, lots of juicy information from this uh, Game Informer cover story. Yeah, very cool. I also like that they touched on the villains. You know, we knew... Well, I know we knew the Tinkerer was involved, and now we know uh, Roxxon, who I am not familiar with. And one of the things I love about playing these superhero games as kind of just a you know casual fan of comics, I get to learn about the, the villains uh, that these heroes have gone up against in the comics. But maybe I, I haven't known about them, and this is the case here. So I'm really excited to see what these villains are all about as well. Me too. And I just want to ask you, Josh, did you see Into the Spider-Verse, the animated movie? No, it is on my list. I mean, I have, uh, in recent years, I've dropped off on watching movies. I don't watch a ton of movies, but I know that that movie is, it's like one of the all-time greats as far as comic book movies now, so I should watch it. It's awesome. I just want to ask because Game Informer asked Insomniac if the Prowler is going to be in the game, and they were apparently tight-lipped. That's Miles Morales' uncle, um, and he plays a a part in the movie, uh, in, in Into the Spider-Verse. Not that there's a direct connection, but... Um, <laughs> Game Informer either is heavily hinting at them being in the game or they just really want the Prowler to be in the game. Yeah, well, that's cool. I also like the family dynamics that go on in Spider-Man with between like the Green Goblin and his son. son. Is that? How- yeah, Harry. Yeah. Anyways, that and then um, in Spider-Man, uh, what are we calling it? Spider-Man PS4, where the, the relationship between Peter Parker and Aunt May almost brought me to tears in that game. So I just love the family dynamics. So if, if that's the case where... This is Miles's uncle, and he's a villain. That sounds super cool to me. Uh, yeah, me too. And Miles lost his dad. That was a big plot point in 2018. So he's going to need yeah. someone. Um, yep. And that's that comes through with uh, Peter and maybe his uncle. Very cool. Well, one of the most anticipated games on my list, for sure. Uh, we'll definitely look forward to that. Uh, another highly anticipated game. We got some news for Cyberpunk 2077. This is mind-blowing. So in Cyberpunk 2077, it will have full lip sync for every character in all 10 dubbed languages. And that's just incredible because you know that the script for this game had to be hundreds, if not maybe even thousands of pages long. So they have been, it's no wonder this game has taken as long as it has. Yeah, it's impressive when you consider the scale of what they're working with, um, just how many people are on screen at once. Uh, the early trailers, I think, showed us more than what we've seen in the newer ones, which I'm not knocking. It's just something that I've noticed. But at the same time, uh, I think that some open world games take lip sync for granted. And that is something that Cyberpunk is aiming to not do. And that's something that, like in The Witcher, I never noticed that lip sync was a was you know bad. I, I thought it was great. And it seems like they're carrying through that with uh, Cyberpunk. Yeah, and also great that they're doing it for all these different languages because, you know, being an English-speaking gamer, I've never had to play a game in a language that it wasn't dubbed in. And this is great for people who are going to play it in any of those languages. So that's awesome. It is. And again, I hate to like, I'm just making comparisons. I'm not knocking. But like people were really disappointed that Ghost of Tsushima didn't have proper Japanese dubbing um, or lip sync. Yeah. And yeah. that will be something that you won't run into and I think it's more that that uh, CD Projekt Red is an international developer. I think you get that more um, when you talk about uh, a developer in Poland. So, yeah. So anyway, very cool. Uh, that game comes out a week after all these other next gen consoles and games. So um, speaking of next gen consoles, we kind of got some uh, I don't know wishy washy next gen launch news from Xbox. Their uh, New Zealand and Australia Twitter account posted a tweet that said that they are going to have some sort of event on November 9th at 11 p.m. New Zealand time and tune in to observe that event. Uh, If you don't know, New Zealand is the first country to launch any new game or system because of the way time zones work. They're the first country to hit whatever the next day is. So, and, and I think for the Xbox One launch, they had a special event where they dropped like an Xbox One into a a tank with a shark in it. I don't know what that was for. I don't know 
what sort of sense that made. But anyway, because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is. Um, anyways, Mexico's account, uh, the Xbox Mexico account, also tweeted that they're going to have a similar event on November 9th at 7 p.m. So I think the general gist here is that Microsoft is looking to gear up towards some sort of digital launch event that will happen globally, which sounds super cool. Um, don't know what it's going to be, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm glad you caught on to this little scoop here. I, I didn't see this. So uh, if something gets revealed, we will cover it here on the show. Next up, we got some Godfall footage. There was a... I, I don't know if a trailer is the right word, but uh, IGN showed a, a video that uh, revealed more of Godfall's gameplay. Did you want to take this, Jackson? Sure. Yeah. So I found this particularly, particularly, excuse me, interesting. If you guys have been watching the show the last month or so, I've mentioned Godfall a couple times, and I've said it looks good, and then oh no, this looks bad, and now I'm back to the good side again. Uh, this was a a, an interview style, not an interview style, but like an impression style video from a reporter at IGN. And he said some great things that were encouraging to me over gameplay. He said that the developers at Counterplay want an experience that you can enjoy on one playthrough or one where you can grind, which is music to my ears because like Avengers, I always go back to Marvel's Avengers. It was fun for the first pre uh, playthrough. I think it could have been more fun if it was a little bit different. But more than anything, I got the impression that the most value you got out of that game was from the grind. And that's not what I want out of my game. I don't know about you, Josh. Yeah, I'm I mean, grinding is something that if it's if it's part of a game that I'm already super into, I don't mind doing it. But if it is a if it's kind of like the core loop of a game, I'm not a big grinder. Yeah. Uh, it's why a lot of like you know destiny likes and diablo likes haven't hooked me anytime in the recent in recent memory so this is good news for me as well yeah i i think it's great news um but it's also good to know that it's both they're claiming it's both we'll see how that actually turns out yeah um, i am skeptical of games that seem to kind of try to be everything to everyone instead of being focused on what makes that game good so i'm a little skeptical and i i've i've been skeptical of godfall since day one but i'm i've got my fingers crossed for it i mean i as I think we've mentioned on the show, we both want every game to be great. And so yeah. I hope this one is. Me too. I mean, it looks amazing. I, I don't think there's any question about the the visuals of it. Um, but, but they went on to say that the developers wanted gear pickups to feel impactful in gameplay and unique visually. I feel like nice. sometimes, yeah, games don't get both of those. They, they, they make, you know, like a really unique gun, but like it looks terrible. No one wants to use that gun or yep. a sword in the case of this game. But man, the, some of the weapons they showed off in this gameplay looked so cool. Like, I want that thing, whether it's good or not, statistically. And apparently it will be good um, as well. Um, but, but I just wanted to point out a few more things. They also said, and I love this, they don't want players constantly pulling up menus to swap gear. They consciously avoided like a very ridiculous skill system and streamlined it for that purpose. I love that. That's something that Ghost of Tsushima did really well, in my opinion. It, it's it's not complicated. You don't have to look up builds and stuff in order to get value out of the skill system. It's not this complex web of you know this, that, and the other. I, I think that we've gotten too far in the wrong direction uh, in recent years with open world and kind of looter-shooter experiences with that. So I love that. Yeah, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, that's kind of an old game at this point, but uh, one of my favorite PS4 games, definitely my favorite RPG on the system, but I spent so much time in menus in that game. Oh my <laughs> gosh, just trying to figure out what was the best loadout for me, and I'm like, there's got to be a better way, so I hope they've solved that here. I'm kind of anti-menu, Josh. I think yeah, I just, yeah. I don't want to be pulled out of the experience. I agree, yeah. yeah. So uh, just to put a cap on this, uh, this tipped the scales for me. I, I really liked what I saw What I saw here. And I want to play Godfall and launch. I don't know if I will, but I want to. Very, very cool. We are now going to kick off a new rotating segment. So often we get uh, trailers for games that just release or pop. And they're not necessarily news heavy or anything. But you should definitely check them out because they show off the games that we like to talk about on this show. So uh, this segment, if I didn't mention, is called Trailer Watch. And we're just going to run through a few trailers that you should definitely check out if you're looking forward to these games. The first one is 
just unbelievable. This new Yakuza Like a Dragon trailer, it has, it features rather, next-gen crustacean AI, and that should give you an idea of what to look forward to if you plan on playing this game. Jackson, you brought this to my attention. What were your thoughts here? Uh, just the best trailer I've ever seen, personally. <laughs> I, I think, I, I just love how self-aware Yakuza is. Um, yeah. Honestly, and seeing something like this makes me want to play this game, and it wasn't Same here. something I wanted to play before. And just, just like, with this segment, I this is kind of something where Josh and I are like, here's a cool thing, go look at it. And th- you have to watch this trailer, guys. You just have to. Uh, next, there was a new Scorn trailer. Scorn, if you don't know, is this first-person shooter that is coming exclusive to Xbox and PC. And I think it's exclusively to the series X and S. I don't know if this is coming out for Xbox One. Anyway, this looks seriously next-gen to me. I was really impressed, but if you're easily grossed out, stay as far away from this game as you possibly can. This game has really good sound design, Josh, and model design and animation. Um, It is trying to make you grossed out. I was watching this and I kind of wish that I had a a camera on my face because I was I'm sure I was making some gross like gross out faces. It's gross. You got to watch it. Yep. Yeah. Super. Like if if you're into like the alien aesthetic or the Prometheus aesthetic, that's what this very Prometheus. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even dialed up a notch. So uh, very cool (laughs) stuff. I'm 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 looking forward to checking this game out and it comes out next year. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, it's gross and I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, next, we have our quick hit segment. Here we just go through, rattle through kind of like the the smaller stories of the week that we want to touch on. Uh, first, Rainbow Six Siege is coming to Xbox Game Pass. Uh, so that's exciting. And did you see how they revealed this? Jackson? No, I missed it. They posted a tweet that had like a picture of a castle getting sieged by like soldiers. And in the background were six rainbows. <laughs> that was it. What? <laughs> and then it said something. I I can't remember exactly, but then it said something about Game Pass. So wow, okay, just well, really vague and kind of cool. It's video game marketing in 2020. Yeah. Um, next, Halo Master Chief Collection uh, is getting a next gen upgrade on November 17th. So this will be the Halo Master Chief Collection will be fully optimized for Xbox uh, Series X and S. It's going to run at 120 frames per second in the campaign and multiplayer. And then it's going to get some split screen improvements. Uh, It's uh, free to existing owners or anybody who has Game Pass. So super cool. Are you a Halo fan, Jackson? Uh, I wouldn't consider myself a fan. I've played all the games and probably once and enjoyed most of them. Yeah, I'm... I played Halo, the first one on the on the Master Chief Collection, and I, I have to say I was not impressed. So I'm not a Halo fan, but um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's 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 a thing. Like you, if you played it at the time and everyone was into it, it adds more value. Yeah, yeah. But I am looking forward to Infinite, and I will play it. And so I hope that the one is the one that can turn me. Um, next up, Sucker Punch posted a job listing that revealed that they're probably working on at the very least DLC for Ghost of Tsushima, but maybe even a full on sequel. Uh, the job posting said they're looking for someone with, quote, a desire to write stories set in feudal Japan. And my thought is if they're looking for someone right now on the story side of things, this is something that is pretty early in development. Yeah. And this game came out mid this year. So we're we're like not that far off of when this thing, like four months ago, basically. So um, I think at this time, they're probably pre-production figuring out the story for the sequel. Um, so it, it makes sense for this to be the sequel or they have some more content pa- uh, post legends that they're going to put out there to reward us because <laughs> their game is so good and legends is so good. Yeah. And I'm going to chalk this up as a sequel, not because I have any knowledge. It's just this game was such a huge success. Everybody fell in love with it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm breaking any, uh, huge story here when I say there will be a sequel for Ghost of Tsushima. Totally. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, Dirt 5 will be a PS5 launch title. This was just posted in a tweet. So we co- we talked about Dirt 5 last week a little bit. It looks gorgeous on Xbox Series X, but if you're getting a PlayStation 5, uh, you can look forward to that on launch uh, November 12th. With that, we are going to move on to our deep dive conversation of the week. So This last week, Jackson and I both got to play Immortals Phoenix Rising. We got to play it for four full hours, and we are just going to kind of run through our impressions of the gameplay. And, uh, you know, I know 
So for me, this was the first time that I got to play the game. Uh, Jackson had played it before, and you had posted a video uh, about a month back on your channel where you went over your impressions. But having played the game again now, I'm curious if this changed your opinion about it or um, made you more excited. What were your thoughts? I'll say that generally, no, it did not change my opinion. It was kind of a known quantity. Um, However, uh, and I posted my impressions, as Josh mentioned, I failed to mention this, though. Visually, the game looked even better. And I don't know if it was like the way they were delivering the content to us or, or, or what, but like the graphics, like the polish um, was in a in a much better place than where I had played it before. Um, I was really happy on this on this go around to play from the very start. Um it's a little jarring, and Josh, I'm sure you can speak to this like with Valhalla. It's jarring to be dropped into an experience with no context. I mean, you have some bare bones stuff, but like there's a reason that games have prologues. It's it yeah. explains a lot of stuff and like mechanics, and that's what this preview did, which I appreciated. Yeah, me too. And I again, this was my first time playing the game, and this was the beginning of the game. So my impressions are basically similar to what hopefully yours will be if you play this game uh because yeah it starts off with some some story bits and you kind of get the the context of what's going on in the world and then you have to collect a certain number of items in order to basically build your initial loadout you get your uh these bracers that let you lift certain objects you get a bow and arrow you get your axe you get your wings uh, by the end of the prologue then you are basically phoenix and you can go out and explore the world so it's kind of like how Breath of the Wild opens, but definitely not as... I didn't feel like it was as open as that game. Um, but anyway, I I loved it. I had a great time playing this game. Um, it's one of my most anticipated games of the fall. I will um, make time to play this on release because it's just right up my alley. Yes. Uh, I don't know, man. I know that I've requested a review code for the game, um, but it's going to be hard for me if I do get that code uh, to justify putting down other games for it, it, it just flat out will be. Um, I'm probably going to race through to the Hall of the Gods um, just so I can get to where we were. Um, I'm curious, did you go ahead with the Aphrodite um, mission in that first area with the Pearl? Um, no. So I okay. got to the part where I revealed the area and then I okay. more or less just explored um, and did okay. whatever I wanted to do. Now, uh, the the demo did give us, you know, let us kind of advance, not in the story, but in the character progression. So um, we were able to kind of explore and do whatever we wanted with some added health and added uh, stamina and whatnot. Uh, and I just went to a bunch of different world activities and did those. And if you watch the video I posted on my channel... One of the things I was most impressed with is how much stuff there is to do in this world. You can go and find these huge sprawling constellation puzzles that in them in, in and of themselves require you to solve like four or five additional puzzles. Um, you can find, uh, I was almost about to say shrines, they're called vaults, but those are basically <laughs> the shrines from Breath of the Wild. And those yeah. are really varied. I've, if you watch, there's a video that uh, Ubisoft posted to their channel. I don't know if you saw this. They posted like an hour and a half long let's play from the previous demo and one of the one of the vaults that they went to had this like giant pinball table that you had to play pinball in order to smash certain blocks and just really creative stuff. Yes, I think that's where we're going to find most of the creativity, I want to say, or or maybe it depends on what kind of gamer you are, but I was if if you're a, a person who played Breath of the Wild and you're looking at this and you're interested and you enjoyed the shrines, you are really going to enjoy this game. Um, I think. Yeah, I, I think the people that I would say might be turned off by this. I know I know like puzzle solving isn't something that some gamers like to do. They don't like to spend their time just um, scratching their head Thinking. trying to figure things out. <laughs> this game, yeah. I don't. I didn't see any that were really that challenging, but they were creative. Nonetheless, this game is going to have lots and lots of puzzles to solve. So environmental puzzles, that is. So if, if that's your thing, I would highly recommend checking out this game. If that's not your thing, you might want to stay away. Um, I would Yes. And another thing, what were we going to say, Josh? Uh, well, I was just going to say one of my concerns is, as it is with any game, any big open world game like this, is that maybe it'll get a little repetitive. I hope they can just keep things fresh. It's got to be tough to think 
you know, when you have to pack a world with all these puzzles, how can you make them unique for 20, 30, 40 hours, however long this game lasts? I think that's something that a lot of games that feature puzzles as a main thing that you're doing, they run into that. Um, I think shrines in Breath of the Wild sometimes felt that way. Um, but I think what's also a huge thing in this game that's probably it's it's hard to translate on a preview is the exploration value. Um, the world is so pretty yeah. and stylized and there's so many high points and like Assassin's Creed, I mean, UB Quebec borrowed this from that series. You you have to like Josh said, you have to go up to a high point in each region and that kind of kicks off the the story arc for that region. So when you do that, you are instantly drawn into like all of the amazing uh, points of interest, POIs that are dotting the landscape. So that's a huge thing. I'm curious, Josh, did you run into anything like spectacular that like wowed you outside of just bar- bargain bin activities? Um, well, so the constellation puzzles impressed me. I wouldn't say they wowed me that... Um that statue of Aphrodite, which is probably in most people's preview, I, I figure, just the, the, the size of it and then climbing it. But there wasn't, other than just the world itself, um, I didn't run into anything specifically that I found really spectacular, but I was very impressed with the world. In fact, if you watch my video, my first two segments that I uh, cover, the first two topics rather that I cover, are just how spectacular the world was, how impressed with it I was. Don't let the cartoony look of this game turn you off. It is very, there are there are tons of details. And so when you get to what you you, you mentioned at the Hall of um, uh, the Gods. The Gods. Where you get to upgrade your character. You have this ability in the game called Farsight. And it basically is, again, it's like Zelda where you can survey the land, drop uh, icons to mark a point of interest, or you can highlight points of interest. And when I did that, I was just kind of in a state of, of, of awe at how much there is in this world to do. And that's outside of the main quest line. Yeah, this is stuff you're not forced to do at all, actually. There, there, there seems to be no impetus for any of it except for your own personal intrinsic motivation. Um, yeah, and the world did motivate me to explore. And, and so right. I, uh, maybe we've talked about it long enough, but the world is, for me, it was the star of the show. I can't wait to explore more. Um, one thing, though, that I did want to touch on is the combat for me also felt uh, very good, but it did feel super familiar. You can tell, or at least I could tell, that this was developed by the same team that made Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, a lot of the base mechanics are the same. Parrying is the same. Dodging will slow down time very similarly. Uh, and also, just like in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, even though that's made by a different team, each enemy has a stamina meter that you can fill up, and then when they, when it fills up, they are stunned, and you can get in a bunch of unblockable attacks. So it, it feels a lot like Assassin's Creed, um, but because it's in a fantasy world, you have all these very different enemies. You have harpies. You have these, forget what they're called, those big slug-type enemies. Gorgons. and Gorgons. You have enemies with mystical powers. So I think it's going to be a lot more varied than an Assassin's Creed. Yes, and I. Th- but I will say that all of those, th- they do. it does feel like Assassin's Creed, but I think it's much better suited for this game. Um, the control scheme and the, the parrying and... Uh, you know, kind of combining light and heavy attacks. And this is something we're going to play in Valhalla. Like they they have brought that over to Valhalla, but I just think it fits better within Immortals Phoenix Rising as a hack and slash kind of arcadey combat experience more than anything. Yeah, sure. And just it being like a fantastical realm, you can't say that it's unrealistic because it's <laughs> like this is basically a, a playable. I, I'm gonna this is a this is, I, I'm not using this in a pejorative sense, but it's basically a playable cartoon, you know? Yeah. Like, so you can add crazy new abilities. And to that point, you have these godly abilities. One that is really cool is Ares Wrath, where these spears come out of the ground and knock your opponent into the air. And then you can you can hit your opponent in the air with these air combos that they can't block, uh, which I thought was super cool. And there's, um, I forget what it's called, Heracles Strength. That's the one that looks a lot like Zelda, where you have the gold lassos that you can use to pick up rocks and throw them at environments, or I'm sorry, at uh, enemies. So that is kind of a dual-pronged ability where you can use it to solve a ton of puzzles, but you can also use it to fight enemies. And I don't know if you unlocked this skill, Josh, after the, the demoist gave you the boost, but uh, you, you can actually use Heracles' bracers to pull yourself towards harpies. So 
like that adds another layer of uh, gameplay complexity, you know, another puzzle piece into the repertoire of things you can do that I found really expanded uh, combat. There's more depth than what there appears to be when you're just watching a preview. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the, the combat, um, when you combine it with all the the mystical or or mythical, I guess, powers that either your enemies or you will have, I think it uh, should be uh, pretty fun. Also, stealth is in this game. I don't know to what extent, but you can sneak up on enemies. So I'm curious to see if you can. Did you did you explore that at all? Did you encounter like a an encampment that you had to sneak through or anything like that? Not like that. Uh, I think that stealth is going to be something you really have to seek out. Um, if you have you have to do it yourself, um, the game's not going to prompt you or give you opportunities to be stealthy. I wouldn't say. Um, I actually did use it once because. I had a Cyclops sitting kind of on a mountainside and he wasn't looking towards me. So I was like, of course, I'm going to go grab that stealth kill. Don't think that stealth is as prevalent as uh, Odyssey, for example. I'm just trying to think of some of the other things that impressed me. And I just keep going back to the world itself um, as someone who like Breath of the Wild. I know this is going to sound like probably everyone else. But for me, Breath of the Wild and Assassin's Creed Odyssey were two of my favorite games of the generation. This basically seems like a composite of both of those games, so it's right at the top of my list. It does, Um, and I just wanted to highlight one thing I found in exploration that tapped into that mystery and intrigue. Um, I went to an area called Gaia's Soul, um, and it was like a really cool twisty tree um, that I guess was part of Gaia. I did. I I watched your video. Oh, okay. That was awesome. Yep. Like stumbling across like that unicorn and I got this cool mount that just blew my other one out of the water. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then climbing that tree and finding this vortex uh, sort of platforming puzzle that you just wouldn't even know was there if you uh, unless you went up there. That's the kind of uh, intrinsic motivation that I'm looking for. And I, it paid off like I was rewarded for being curious. Yeah, and so I found a legendary creature. I, I I didn't put this in my video, but I found this boar that, I mean, it was kind of, this is not a pun, pun not intended. It was boring um, <laughs> in terms of its character design, but really difficult to, uh, to, to defeat. You found a rooster, a legendary rooster. I did. <laughs> I found Electrion, the legendary rooster. Um, and that, awesome. yeah, that was just a silly boss fight to me on normal after the boost. I just crushed it and uh, got a cool skin for my phoenix. Um, and then one more thing. I know we've been talking about this for a while, but I found a mythical harpy, which is one, I was going to ask you. Yeah, is one of four creatures out in the world where if you kill these and you collect their fragments, you can turn them in for like an end game set of armor. So whenever I hear that in any game, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Um, but the boss fight, it, it was very tough. And this was post uh, resource boost. So what that means is that these guys are going to be a handful um, until you boost your character way up in the stats. Yeah, and I did notice you mentioned this in your video. Um, I'm not. I don't mean to out you here, but I, I saw you uh, uh, can change the the difficulty down to story mode. I'm not going to say whether you did or not, but I did see that you have the ability to change it to story mode, or you basically you can change the difficulty of the game at any point. Um, and that also brings me to the puzzles. There are. Uh, puzzle assist options in the game too that you can um, use to highlight the the solution of a puzzle. So there's a lot of, I guess you could call them accessibility options in the game as well. And that's cool. That is cool. Yeah. Um, you did out me, Josh. No, I'm kidding. I outed myself <laughs> in my own video by saying I bumped the difficulty down to defeat the boss. I just wanted to see what I got. It was like that moment where you're five minutes until the end of your time and you're like, I, I, mm-hmm. need, to, I need to see this. I just have to. Well, was there anything you wanted to add? Anything you discovered in the game that you wanted to mention? Or did we uh, did we cover uh, kind of everything? I think we covered everything. Um, I just wanted to say that while I, I'm going to try my best to make time to play this game, it is absolutely something that I think should be on people's radar. And if you have like a super negative opinion about it, if you think it looks like too much like Odyssey, just I don't think it does. Um, and... and you might have misgivings about Google Stadia, but Ubisoft is doing a little promo. Um, That's where right. You can play a free demo that was made specifically for Stadia. It's not something that you can play in the main game, which is kind of weird, but um, you can try it out for free if you have a Google account. So if you're one of those people on the fence, go check it out. With that, 
we are going to take our second break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about whatever else we've been playing on top of Immortals Phoenix Rising. We'll be right back. And we're back. Now we are going to talk about what we have been playing. And Jackson, I have to admit, I have become the thing that I despise. I don't like listening to podcasts and people get to the what they've been playing section and they haven't been playing much. But I have to admit, I have not been playing much other than Phoenix Rising. Um, well, I have been playing one game, but I can't talk about it yet. Um, and the other thing I want to bring up is I did do one thing that I want to talk about, not really talk about, but mention is I voted this week. So if you are listening and you haven't voted and you're registered, get out there, vote. Whoever you support, get out there and vote. So with that, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Jackson, what have you been playing? Uh, I have to hop on my soapbox. I echo what Josh said. Vote. I'm showing my I voted sticker on the camera. Vote, yeah, If please. you live in the United Anyways. States, of course. We yes, uh, want to be yes. cognizant of the fact that not all of our listeners <laughs> live in this country. But right now we're having an, uh, an election. It's an important one. So, uh, yeah, I'll I'll cease any political talk whatsoever right there. <laughs> Me too. Uh, so what I've been playing, I've actually been playing a lot. Um, I played the Black Ops Cold War beta, and this was last weekend by the time we're talking about this. Or actually, it'll be two weekends ago by the time you guys see this. And um, I really enjoyed it. I'm getting the Call of Duty bug again. Um, I don't know what it is, what they do. I think it's just a nostalgic experience of playing with friends. Um, I had a blast playing it this weekend, and I will get some matches in when uh, Black Ops Cold War comes out you know, very soon here. Um, I played Ghosts of Tsushima Legends. And guys, it's very good. Awesome. Um, it's one of those, yeah, it's it, it came out of nowhere um, when it was announced. And I was kind of like, this is cool. I don't know if I'll play it, but I'm so glad I took the time to play through the story missions. I played them with a buddy. Uh, it's seamless. It works really well. Um, I was shocked because I was a little worried. Like, this isn't a multiplayer game, but it's very sound. It's it, like... It's what I think skill up is the one who made this comparison that just made so much sense to me. The fact that Sucker Punch can do something like this with Ghost of Tsushima and crush it. And then you look at Crystal Dynamics and Marvel's Avengers and how badly the game is <laughs> yeah. doing it. It just makes you wonder, man, like the looter shooter and that genre, it just doesn't work out a lot of the times. And I think a lot of companies are going to look at Ghost of Tsushima and and see what they're doing with Legends because it's fantastic. Um, yeah, it, it also makes me look forward to what Naughty Dog is going to do with the Last of Us multiplayer. And I, I wonder if we're going to see this uh, um, model where game single-player focused, narrative-focused games get kind of uh, uh, games-as-a-service add-on. And maybe that's more, maybe that's the solution to this games-as-a-service problem that like Avengers is having. Right, and I like that it's multiplayer, honestly, because it kind of removes that that kind of icky DLC feeling like, you know, did they cut this stuff to sell you later? No, it's like a multi, it's a whole new thing, you know, it's ancillary. Yeah, and it's, it's free, right? And it's free. It is yeah, free. So um, crazy. It's crazy. And then I booted up Hades and I was blown away by it. It's so fun. It's so cool. <laughs> uh, the personality of the game is what really stood out to me. I don't love roguelikes, but as everyone's been saying, if, you, if you're that person, then Hades is the game for you. Um, I think it's brilliant. I love the character design, um, the aesthetic. I've been playing it on my Switch on the couch, um, and that's kind of the kind of game. That's the the venue, the setting that I want to play this kind of game in, and it works perfectly. Great game. I, I managed to get to the third boss before I just didn't have time any 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 more time. How how far did you get? I'm curious. Not far. Um, I don't <laughs> think I. It's a tough game. It is a tough game. It's something. But it's like it's like Soulsborne games. It's trial and error. You learn. It's a game that forces you to learn to pro progress, and I love that. Yeah, and by the way, if you're listening to this, the, getting to the third boss is not far either. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. I have a lot to explore in this game. Um, anyways, that's what we've been playing. We are now going to dig into our mailbag. This week, we got a question. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention this at the top of the segment last week. You can write in to preload it at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. So if there's anything you want to hear us talk about on the following week's show, write in, send us your questions. This week, we got a question from Brock. Brock, thank you for all your support. Uh, you are one of our um, uh, faithful listeners. So we appreciate that very much. And we appreciate the question, uh, which is, we're coming up on the time of the year when a lot of big games are coming out, but 
To that point, I was wondering what are your game of the what is your game of the year for 2020 so far? So I don't know if we want to do one game or several games, but Jackson, uh, I'll kick it over to you. I'm gonna I'm gonna choose one game, um, and it might have just changed because of the content it got. It's Ghost of Tsushima. I mean, gosh, I I just can't think of another game that this year, maybe The Last of Us Part Two, but that takes a vision and distills it into something that's so uh, perfectly executed like Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, Sucker Punch, they are masters of whatever they do when they create a game. Like, they crush it. And Ghost of Tsushima felt like that in spades. Um, Just from an open-world perspective, it's one of the most engaging, easiest-to-explore games I've ever played. Um, and I love the combat and I love the post-launch support. Um, yeah, all day long. Give me Ghost of Tsushima as my game of the year so far. Nice. Yeah, I feel I'm actually quite certain that if I hadn't played like three open world games prior to Ghost (laughs) of Tsushima, it probably would be my game of the year because the way that game, it just ended on such a, a high note for me. I loved it. But my, my game of the year is a toss up between three games right now. It's Ghost of Tsushima. The Last of Us Part Two and uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and right now on this day, it's Final Fantasy VII Remake, and the reason is is just the character development in that game was so well done. Uh, leading up to the release of that game, I was super skeptical because I thought the voice acting sounded super cheesy, but um, <laughs> having played the original all those years ago and loving, I love the original. It's one of my favorite games of all time. They nailed who these characters are, and just getting. So this might be a bit of a nostalgia play for me, but getting to see these characters in more detail, getting to hear their voices. Um, there's one character in particular who's just a total, like a hilariously blatant flirt. And uh, she she won me over. And uh, then something happens in the story that just turns it on its head and brought me to tears. Uh, so the storytelling in that game just was, um, in my opinion, the best storytelling in a game for me, I should say, because I think The Last of Us also and Ghost of Tsushima, all three of these games had great storytelling. Yeah, for for now, it's Final Fantasy VII Remake, but tomorrow it could be any of those other two. That's awesome. I love the way that you put that because I'm very much the same. Ask me tomorrow, and my answer may be slightly different. Um, I just want to give momentary honorary mention, again, like Josh said, to The Last of Us Part Two. I think it's just a just like a an, on a completely different level than very, like a lot of games out there that have ever been made narratively and technically. It deserves a lot of kudos, and I think that it will probably win Game of the Year, um, depending on how they do like the cutoffs for like Cyberpunk and other games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Last of Us Part Two made me literally like made me question some of my life decisions. So uh, that is, <laughs> yeah. uh, it takes a lot for a game to do something like that. So <laughs> it does. It's one of the most impactful games I've ever played. Yeah, it sure is. So uh, that is going to do it for our show this week. Uh, Brock, thanks again for your question. Again, you can write into preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And if you are listening to the podcast on any of the audio platforms, again, we'd love for you to. Uh, leave a review, drop a five-star review. That'll help us grow our audience. And if you're listening or watching rather on YouTube, drop a comment, drop a like. Uh, We love uh, interacting with you there as well. So with that, uh, Jackson, uh, what do you want to plug on your channel this week? Yeah, so Josh, I uploaded my Immortals preview. Um, I just wanted to plug, and this is going to sound weird, uh, whatever you see on my channel, (laughs) I've got a new video. Um, there's a lot happening. Josh mentioned that he's playing a game that we can't talk about. I'm playing the game too. There's a lot we can't talk about. Um, but we may be able to talk to it about it by the time this video goes up. <laughs> I just don't want to make a mistake. Um, That's a good point. So, yeah. So, uh, look out for that. I'm making some very different kinds of content. I'm showing my face a little bit more, and I'm enjoying that. So, with that in mind, look for that on my channel. I'm JV uh, on, on YouTube, and then on every other platform, I'm JV on YT. Nice. And uh, yeah, I posted my uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising preview as well. It's 15 gameplay details that I picked up on while playing the game. So if that sounds interesting to you, go check that out. Also, again, we're now posting uh, this podcast to my YouTube channel. So 
for whatever reason you want to check it out there, you can do that now. Uh, and also just want to reiterate that after this episode, the following episode will post on a Friday, not a Monday. So if you are one of our faithful listeners, uh, you want to keep that in mind. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Quest Mode Games. So with that, we are all done. We will look forward to seeing you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.